Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Epler, and welcome to Season 1 of Yoga for Everyone, a podcast about the evolution of modern yoga. In Season 1, I'm here with Bryce Delbridge at Ashtanga Yoga Studio in Norman, Oklahoma, where we are talking through some of the basic challenges that new students face in today's yoga climate and how the face of modern yoga has changed in recent times. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Okay, welcome back, guys. We're going to take a huge leap today and look at yoga and religion, or yoga for all religions. Can yoga be practiced by people of all religions? Mm -hmm. And uh, my fundamental belief is that, yes, it can. And then the question comes, well, is yoga a religion? And uh, if it's not, then how do you, how, how do you substantiate that? Mm. So our understanding, or my understanding, is that yoga is a science. It's a science of spiritual practice. It's a mm -hmm. science of how to cultivate one's body and one's nervous system and, and mental state. But it doesn't per se have a religious connotation. Yeah, it can be practiced with or without religious preference. It can and be practiced by atheists as well as agnostics as well as peoples who are devoutly religious. Well, they can do those postures, but they're still going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> some people think that. I've even heard of the uh, something. Called, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's a Christian alternative to yoga. Have you heard about this? Yeah, yeah. Christian yoga is yeah. a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yoga, yoga is my thing. Um, I, I, if you look at yoga philosophy, Sankhya is the sister system of yoga. Uh -huh. And Sankhya is not religious, it's, it's scientific. It deals with Prakriti and Purusha, so matter and consciousness. consciousness. And it talks about, you know, so all Ayurveda is based on Sankhya philosophy, um, how matter forms. So ideas like the gunas and the doshas and the tanmatras, the panchamahabhutras, the, these elemental concepts in, in Indian philosophy all come from Sankhya. And what you do find is that in Patanjali, he says, Ishvara Pranidana Dva. He says, the existence of God is required. Mm. So then, oh, no, 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 which one? <laughs> like, how do you, <laughs> don't you tell me. As soon as you say God, it gets really nervous uh, because everybody triggering. hates that stuff. <laughs> and, you know, not everybody, but, but uh, you know, the resistance to religion in our culture is huge. Yeah. And, and we have this, this generational divide. Yeah. We have, uh, you know, the minute you start talking religion, a lot of people pull away. Mm -hmm. And I think that the simple fact that yoga is practiced by such a wide and diverse group of people in our culture and others you can say that yoga has pretty much successfully slid under the radar of religion. So, why religion and yoga are not the same thing 
is because yoga is a practice. And it's true that there are religious practices, but yoga starts with your body and quieting the mind. And there are two major streams of, of work in yoga. There is self-realization, like mm-hmm. self-realization fellowship by mm-hmm. Paramahamsa Yogananda. And then there's God-realization. And it, like our, our teacher often used to say, Yogis are egoists, <laughs> and boy, are they, and myself included. I, I, you know, we, we all get a, extreme bursts of energy sometimes from our practice, and, you know, sometimes we do and say stuff that's not that smart when we look back. <laughs> but I really feel like yoga can be expressed and is being expressed in a way that does not alienate people who are a devout followers of a particular religion. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that spirituality can be talked about in non-assuming and universal terminology. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I say yoga has been very good for me, looking back at my life, I'm very grateful and it's really helped me out in a lot of areas of my life. Well, that's fine. I can say that. But if I say yoga causes the light of God to shine through my crown chakra and I just have bursts of love and bliss and realization flowing out, love and light everywhere. Well, not everybody can relate to that. Yeah, sure. Some people really can. Sure. And they're just bright-eyed when you say things like that. But, but a lot of people are like, well, first of all, I don't know what you mean by this energy thing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I don't appreciate having your religious beliefs imposed on me mm-hmm. and you, you, you know, so, so I think we can alienate people quite easily mm-hmm. by making these kinds of grandiose statements. And some yoga teachers are much more guilty of that than others. <laughs> Everything is energy. We have this energy paradigm uh-huh. and it's, it's just my opinion, but it's kind of India's fault <laughs> in a way. You know, they're the ones who invented nadis and uh-huh. chakras uh-huh. and koshas yeah. and vayus yeah. and all of these Sanskrit words, you know, they denote a different kind of energetic system in the body, yeah. prana. Yes, you know, prana maya kosha, yeah. energy body. Yeah, and, and so... Though the phenomenon of culture of chakras is, seems to be interspersed throughout many different cultures the word chakra for sure that comes from india yeah and and you know to be fair there there have been systems with with uh five chakras nine chakras 21 chakras 12 chakras it's seven is generally the the number that most people talk about but the idea that there's energy in the body that that moves around that can be uh, manipulated through the mm-hmm. breath or that is in fact the breath. Yeah, that influences the endocrine system and physical body. Yeah, well, this is very much Indian. So every yeah. space cadet hippie out there babbling about energy, well, good energy, bad energy, weird energy. <laughs> um, in a way, I feel like Indian philosophy 
is where a lot of that got started. Yeah. And in fact, the foundation of it. Yeah. But Indian people don't go around talking about energy. Not so much. Usually not. Uh, you know, they, they understand that in, in, a, in a different way. Yeah. And I, I don't think we can generalize Indian people because Indian people are all kinds of people, just like American people. But Sanskrit scholars definitely do not go around <laughs> talking about energy. Sure. They understand it. And, they, you know, yogis understand about that that element. Yeah. So we talk about that. And then when it comes to divinity and the, 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 the yogic understanding of God, if uh -huh. you will, they talk about Ishvara. Uh -huh. And, you know, Ishvara is, is a kind of a, or, or Brahman is another uh -huh. expression of it. Yeah. It's not something with a form. Right. It's something formless. It's not necessarily the deity Brahma. Uh, yeah, no, no, Brahman and Brahma is uh, different. Um, Yet the same. <laughs> so, so that's a really hard one to get your head around. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we in 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 asana classes, I usually just don't bring up things like God because I I, I typically feel that uh, people it's, didn't come there to hear about that. No, stuff. and it's too short of a time period to even get into that kind of stuff. Could you imagine if they came to your asana class and they're ready to work out and you just sat down and talked about God for uh, an hour and a half? You'd probably never see them ever they again. Would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the difference between yoga and religion is that religion is worship of a particular deity. Whereas yoga, there's no particular deity that you have to worship. It's more about connecting with your you are a deity. It's connecting with your own spirit. And in doing so. If you are worshipping another deity, it gets stronger, it gets more potent, but it's not like a requirement to do these practices. I think it's really interesting that we're all doing these sun salutations and we're we're you know Surya is a deity mm -hmm. the sun god and Surya Narayana it just happens that in uh, in Vishishta Dvaita of Ramanuja and and Krishnamacharya's particular lineage Surya Narayana is the primary aspect of divinity mm -hmm. and it's symbolized by the sun so worship of the sun out there in the sky is one element, but worship of the sun inside of us yeah, is a metaphor for the soul. Exactly. So, so I don't really see a big difference personally. I need to call me, call me a heathen, but, um, <laughs> he's a heathen <laughs> working on, working out what is the most bright, beautiful element inside of me uh -huh. through meditative practice and yoga and trying to follow that and stay connected to that is not very different from like accepting Jesus Christ into your heart yeah, and right. repenting for your sins and saying, okay, I've been doing some stuff that wasn't very cool. I think I'm going to quit that and mm -hmm. try to like straighten up and fly right here. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, so I, I mean, obviously I grew up in a Christian culture and, uh, you know, if we're going to drag out the labels, 
well, I have a Christian name. I was baptized by my father. I grew up reading the Bible uh, in a Christian culture. Well, oops, I guess I have to be one of those. And, you know, so I suppose I could like shave my head and put on orange clothes and re renounce all of that. But in a way, I feel like we all have an inherent richness and beauty in our cultures yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And, and universal spirituality is what, what really interests me. Yeah. And I, I find far more parallels in, in these things than, than, than differences. Uh, yeah. So, um, do bad stuff, suffer. You can call it a sin. You can call it bad karma. You can call it what you want. Try to listen to your own conscience mm -hmm. and get in touch with the messages that that sends. Now, not every voice in your mind is necessarily <laughs> the right voice that you want to listen to. But people who practice something intensely and listen carefully to their own feelings often come up with very sincere and real things that they express and learn and do. I have a question for you. Yeah. How can yoga help somebody in their religion? By helping us to focus on our religion more intently. Mm -hmm. um, if we are distracted and we are conflicted and consumed by day-to-day -day stressy things, which we all have, no shortage of stimuli in life, then we're not really focused on religion. Mm -hmm. we're, we're just focused on the bills and the kids and the, the problems that we have. We're, we're just stumbling through life trying to get by. Mm -hmm. And yoga teaches us a way of stopping that for at least short periods of time. And, you know, if you want to think about God, you, you got to stop thinking about the next text message coming in on your phone and you guys stop looking at Facebook for a minute. You can say Facebook is God. Well, it, it almost is, but, but uh, everything is God in, in that way. But, but pondering those big universal questions, like what's the purpose of my life? Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Do I want to be doing this? Uh, what's going to happen when I die? Mm -hmm. What form will I have after that? What mm -hmm. form did I have before I came into this life? And what is the nature of that? Well, all of the world's great philosophies and religions deal with that very subject. Mm -hmm. So yoga is just how to cultivate ourselves. Mm -hmm. it, it is the, the cultivation of concentration. Certainly Patanjali is talking about concentration mm -hmm. and beautiful states that arise from meditating. I don't think we can all agree about what happens when you die or whether there's heaven or hell or what that entails. I don't think that we need to. No. Now, if you think that you'll never die, I, I would like to argue with you about that. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you probably will. Even if you do a whole lot of yoga and breathing and eat organic food and everything, I, I'm, I don't think that doing yoga assures anyone of a long life, but it, you are assured of dying. <laughs> so, what happens after that 
is a case study. And um, it's okay all for the some religions have been studying yeah. and trying to figure out. So it can it can be a mystery. Yeah. I'm okay with it being a mystery, but I am fairly certain that people who spend time thinking about those kinds of things and those deep questions really do evolve their own internal. Uh, conversation and and authentic sincere views mm -hmm. i i really like sincerity mm -hmm. and and uh, personal uh work done you can always tell if somebody's like yep I, i'm one of those yep i'm saved no i don't want to think about all that stuff no no i've got all that worked <laughs> out uh, when i die i'm going to heaven and that's that well Maybe, but when you really do get close to death, it, it all gets a little tricky. I, I know by watching, uh, you know, people close to me die yeah. that uh, when life gets hard, we draw from whatever cultural systems and belief systems we have to go through those challenges. Mm -hmm. And if it's just something that you blindly said, yeah, okay, to... It's not real. It's not mm -hmm. yours. You, you got to do your homework. Mm -hmm. And so yoga is the science of religion, if anything. Mm. And uh, if somebody science believes in God, it. great. And if they don't believe in God, also great. But but what is their speech like? And what do they? What are they doing? And and where's their mind at? And I have very good friends who I respect very much who are atheists. Mm -hmm. So um, yep, in my mind, yoga is definitely a cross religious discipline that can be done by anybody and everybody. Thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of Yoga for Everyone. If you found our conversation meaningful, we would love for you to consider subscribing, sharing this episode with a friend, or writing a review of our podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts to share, you're welcome to shoot us an email through our website, ashtangayogastudio.com. Thanks again for listening.